Good evening. May the Lord's grace and peace be with your spirit as we gather uh, tonight for our Good Friday service uh, 2022. Your presence means much, uh, and we are blessed by your being here tonight. Um, And we are also blessed by the presence of uh, God's spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, in our midst this evening as we journey together towards the cross. Our Lenten series, Full to the Brim, has been a gift to us. I, I've just really enjoyed this series that we've been in since Ash Wednesday. And each and every Sunday on our journey uh, together, we have been reminded or challenged, blessed, encouraged by some truth about our Maker, about God. Uh, we are told in the Gospel of John, uh, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 10, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture and it's uh, John 10 10 it says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy I have come so they may have life and have what have it to the full have it to the full this has served for me as such a great centering text in life uh, no matter what life seems to be throwing at me uh, uh, throwing my way, uh, whether things are light and great, I'm, uh, this verse calls me to gratitude uh, for those very things, the fullness uh, of, of everything that is. Or if things are heavy, and Jesus uh, deeply desires to remind me of his grace and mercy, they are sufficient in its fullness as I na- navigate all that is complex. In our Lenten journey, we have been reminded that uh, even in the desert, our first Sunday, even in the desert, uh, we were reminded um, even in the wilderness of God's mercy and grace, his mercy and grace are still in abundance. And then under God's wing, we were reminded of God's uh, provision and his protection of his children. And so that has filled us. And then our third week of Lent, uh, you are worthy. Uh, You are worthy. Even before you have done anything, you are worthy of God's love. And then we moved to the story of the prodigal son, and we looked at prodigal grace that uh, God, our Father, is always in the business of welcoming us back home and experiencing that mercy that he has for each one of us. And then the brazen acts of beauty, acts of worship that we saw from Mary of Bethany um, and and that God, that Jesus was moved by her response her act of worship, and that even in that, as she poured out, she herself being filled. And then even the stones cry out one week ago for Palm Sunday, that uh, we're um, reminded that all of creation, all of creation, even the stones will cry out. Christ is king. And that we are filled with the joy of that reality in and of itself. 
Indeed, it has been a gift to travel together, amen? Uh, last Sunday, we celebrated the uh, triumphal entry of the king, that is Jesus, with shouts of joy, of acclamation. And since that time, many things have happened in the holy city, that is Jerusalem. Last night, we gathered at Roanoke Mennonite Church to participate in a shared meal together with our brothers and sisters, uh, and had, uh, along with that, foot washing and hand washing, just as Jesus and his disciples shared in their final meal together as well. So tonight, we leave that meal, that place, and we all head to the garden. Uh, we head to the garden, which is where we will pick up the story once more. We will read, we will listen, we will reflect, we'll, we will imagine this story once more. Uh, for we have been filled. We have been filled in this Lenten journey. Jesus came to give life and life to the full. And we will see and experience tonight just how Jesus makes that possible for all of creation. It is indeed a mystery. It is a mystery, the mystery of Christ. For tonight, on this Good Friday, we participate once again in life to the full, yet we're gonna, there's, there's grieving ahead of us tonight. It is a mystery. We once again interact and understand the violence of humanity tonight as we interact with the cross. We read in John's Gospel, uh, we read in John's Gospel that the cross, uh, that on the cross, Jesus says, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. He is then offered a jar full of sour wine, and he takes a drink, which then leads him to his final breath as he cries out, it is finished. It is finished. In the book of Philippians, we read the following passage in regard to Jesus. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied. Emptied himself. By taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, uh, uh, obedient to the point of death, yes, even death on a cross. Now this word emptied, uh, kanao, emptied, Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, humbled himself and became obedient to death on the cross. That cross to that cross, we will, we will journey together tonight. And it's at this cross that we will experience God's love. God's love that is full. God's love that is poured out. God's love that is self-emptying. It's a self-emptying kind of love. Jesus' human experience will come to an end this evening. And tonight we will see Jesus embody the fullness of the pain and, and also the, his experience of a deep sorrow. 
Jesus is suffering love. Jesus did not merely uh, observe human suffering from a distance, but Jesus joined in the human suffering. And he is with us tonight, and Jesus is for us tonight in ways that we may not even imagine. So before we continue on, uh, we'd like to just be able to stand and uh, greet one another. And, and, and by doing so this evening, we'd, we'd like to follow this format. So you would approach someone and uh, say their name. Um, let us journey together and in response back to you. And let Jesus be our guide. So let us do that together. Please join. Please join me in these gathering words. Let us remember how the sky went dark. Let us remember how his mother died. Let us remember how he did not die. Let us remember how he turned away. Let us remember. Let us worship holy God. God who asked for a drink. God who was killed by the state. God who offered love and grace even from the cross. We are at a loss for words. What do we do this day? The air is heavy. Our hearts are heavy. The suffering of this world feels particularly close, spilling out all over us. And yet, even in this space, God, we know you are moving. Even in this space, Lord, we know that this is not the end. God, give us the heart to hear this story and the courage to let it change us. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. We invite you to sing a few songs with us that are interwoven throughout story and scripture. 
the first song, Stay With Me the Night Has Come, is a potential new song. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a video. And then we'll sing. I get so excited to sing. <laughs> We're going to have a video, and then, then we'll sing. made to suffer, inflicted by our transgressions, burdened by our iniquities, tortured by our violence, more than what he could endure, hatred made real and palpable, anger and cruelty against the body, lashed out on the skin, against all that was true and good beautiful, a mob lynching the innocent against the divine son who just wanted to be one of us, cutting down the tree to carve out a cross grown from a seed, a plant whose life's goal was to reach the sun and provide air to this world, the sustenance of People of power made it into an instrument and tool to execute a political prisoner. Someone who was deemed a traitor because he sought a world better than our own. One where we sit at the table together, where the sick are healed, their wounds mended, and liberation is pronounced to the imprisoned to speak against the principalities of this world resisting their strategies of violence, declaring the day of the Lord. But all these dreams were dashed on hardened hearts, hearts not able to see God with us, present, breathing the same air, laughing, crying, sleeping, being with, standing beside, needing us as much as we needed him. Except for the few women who followed him to the end, he was abandoned, left to die, until he breathed his last, until he forgave his offenders, executed with thieves, death row inmates, hanging their heads with him until the clouds darkened, their chests sunken, until the light of the world was extinguished by merciless hands, making the brilliant sky dark, eclipsing, crucifying God, open God, vulnerable God, tender God hung there, as dead as that tree.
going to ask you to sing, but I'm also going to ask you to sit. Normally we stand, but as in the garden, Jesus asks his disciples to sit. Wait with me. Pray with me. If you look at these words, stay with me, the night has come. Pray with me, the night has come. Watch with me, the night has come. Weep with me. Those are all sedentary invitations because sometimes our Lord asks us to sit in pain and sit in suffering and sit in waiting, which can be the hardest, I feel like, of all sometimes, sitting in the waiting. But very few songs are from Jesus' perspective. Stay with me, the night has come. And it's set to a beautiful Welsh lullaby, Tesi David Mahenen Tali, which the first word is to sleep, which is what the disciples ended up doing instead of sitting and praying. So as we sing this together, it's simple, it's beautiful. Just let these words sink in of what he sometimes asks us to do with him. We. Oui. 
first reading this evening will be from Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 46. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching that place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from, from prayer, he went back to the disciples and found them asleep. They exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Luke is one of my favorite gospels, uh, or is my favorite gospel of the four, because of how much Luke seems to emphasize Jesus' humanity. Jesus, after the meal shared with his disciples, uh, he goes to pray. Uh, already, he had already dismissed Judas to, to, to leave um, the, the meal and he went on to go tell the uh, authorities where Jesus would be. And then they head out to the Garden of Gethsemane to play kickball or to play freeze tag or to, oh, no, to go and pray. If I was a disciple, that's what I would want to do. Let's go play kickball, right? No, not in this garden. Not in this garden. Um, they go to pray. I think Jesus knew um, that I knew I think he knew on his own in his even in his humanity that uh, he would need this communion with his father uh, we acknowledge the request we see the request from Jesus say hey take this cup take this cup from me and in the very next breath that yet not my will but your will be done. It causes me to wonder, just reading that, about my own will. Uh, about my own will and what cup do I seem to want to pass to someone else? What cup am I holding that I would rather not drink from? How might Jesus' example of saying, not my will, but your will be done? How might that example um, influence how I view my own will and the cup of which I'm to drink? Then it said, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And just plain and simple, what I see here, I see God's provision for Jesus. God provides an angel to, uh, to strengthen him. And I think as what he did for Jesus he can also do for us, providing strength for whatever may come. As we were reminded by Jesus then, um, the disciples were reminded, uh, Jesus came back and Jesus said to what? He says, hey, why are you asleep? Wake up. Wake up. Why? Well, he invited them to pray, um, and we know that Jesus was praying, and it says he prayed even more earnestly. So I ask the question tonight, 
What is your earnest prayer in this season? Is there a person? Is there a situation? Is there a reality in your life where you might be experiencing some of these same things of despair, sorrow, anguish, discouragement? So what is your prayer tonight? Let us bring that prayer to our Father this evening as we pause here. And Jesus, again, modeling for us a life poured out. Lord Jesus Christ, you know what it's like to feel that God is distant. You know what it's uh, what it is to call out for for God for God in a despair and anguish. Lord Jesus, we so often can't control things that we'd like to control, but you promise to walk with us in our despair. Jesus, we will walk alongside you in this darkness and help us to call out for God. Grant us the grace tonight to echo your words spoken in despair. May your will be done. We continue the story in Luke 22, 47 through 52. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come to him, Am I leading a rebellion 
that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour, when darkness reigns. Betrayal, a kiss. Defense, a sword. The response of those in the garden was first to flee, and now is violence. It is one of extremes, something we would not expect. The disciples find themselves in a situation that they don't know how to respond. And Judas, the one who is betraying, finds himself in a situation that his response doesn't fit for us. A kiss? A kiss is a sign of betrayal? Cutting off somebody's ear as a sign of defending the one who has been peaceful? In the garden, everything is turned upside down. And yet Jesus' response stays the same. Jesus calls out Judas. He calls out his disciples. He calls out the chief priests. He speaks truth and he brings peace. Those around him respond in extremes. Jesus responds in peace. In our times of uncertainty, how do we respond? Do we respond with anger? Betrayal? Violence? Doubt? Questioning? That is the question for whole. The one who makes us whole empties himself. Jesus, we admit that in life we are too quick to draw the sword, too quick to react, too quick to deny, quick to strike down. Father, we like this disciple because of fear, because of lust of power or control that creates a mess of things. Father, forgive us 
Grant us grace and strength to choose the way of your son, Jesus, the way of peace, of healing, and wholeness. reading is from Luke chapter 22, verse 54 through 62. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and they sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, later, someone else saw him and said, You also are are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another another asserted, Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Have you ever wondered why it's Peter out of all of the disciples that he would be the one to deny Jesus three times? After all, I mean, he was the first, one of the first to follow this, this rabbi. Peter left so much left, he left so much behind to, to walk with and, and to travel down this uncertain road of discipleship. Peter was there when his friends uh, when, when his friend Jesus healed many who were sick. Peter was there when he fed the multitudes. Peter was there when he cast out demons and he raised Lazarus from the dead. Peter even was, um, Peter even for a short, short while, just like Jesus walked on water for a short while. Why is it Peter? Why is it Peter that would disown him or deny him three times? before the rooster crowed. I don't know. Uh, But he did deny him. The question is why? I I think if I were to sum it up in one word, it would be fear. Fear. Fear can do its number on us, amen? Fear can keep us back from reaching out uh, out for our dreams or to accomplish our goals. Fear can get in the way of us reaching out to others or the other in love. Fear has a way of crippling our souls and binding our hearts. Fear has a way of contracting the way we live. Fear, has a, uh, if, if we let it have its way, can lock us in a prison and hide the key. Fear, if it has its way, clouds our values. It, it can block the conduit of love which we are to carry. And in fearful or moments of anxiety, it causes us to, con- 
to be completely focused on how we can protect ourselves at all costs. Peter was afraid. But who can blame him? Right? Who could blame him? I mean, if Jesus was helpless or chooses not to defend himself, what did that mean for Peter? Right? How could Peter escape a fate like Jesus of being arrested, abused, and finally executed? Of course, Peter was afraid. It makes sense. Fear had overtaken Peter's uh, consciousness and conscience. Though you and I may never deny Peter or deny Jesus in the same way that Peter did in such a blatant way, but I would suggest that we might indeed deny him in perhaps less obvious ways, also because of fear. As we look over as we look over this past season, might the Lord bring to mind any ways that we have denied him? And really just holding this question into sacred silence, what fears might be hindering our or your ability to be faithful? one who makes us full has emptied himself. Let us pray. Forgive me, dear Lord, when I let fear get in the way of my relationship with you. Forgive me for all the times I've fallen short in my discipleship because I've been afraid. Forgive me for failing to trust you when you've proven yourself to be so utterly worthy of trust. Help me, Lord, when the hard times come. Help me to trust you more. When my adrenaline starts to pound, clouding my mind and suffocating my heart, help me to receive your peace. When I'm tempted to deny you, either in words or deeds, or by failing to speak or to act, help me to trust and obey. May I live my whole life in honor of you.
comes from a song from Jesus' perspective, Bury With Me the Night Has Come, through how deep the Father's love for us is personal. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin, my sin upon his shoulders. I here have nothing to lose. So we go back into our seat. We try to picture what it would be like in the garden, and we come back to our seat emptied and thankful. fourth reading comes from Luke 23, 13 to 25. Pilate called together the chief priests and rulers of the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison as an insurrectionist for an insurrection in the city and for murder. But wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, Pilate spoke to them. Why? What crimes has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. 
Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man that had been thrown into the prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Can I relate? In this story, this crowd, this mob of people, can I relate? Where do I see myself? Have I been in a situation where groupthink takes control? Where something that was right is declared as wrong? Where a horde, a crowd of people make what they want happen? Can I relate? Can I relate to Pilate, who knows what's right and yet is vilified for the next 2,000 years for being the one who kills Jesus? Who has no choice as governor but to go with what the people say? Can I relate? Can I relate to Barabbas, who knows he's done wrong and yet is being set free, who desires freedom and will fight for it, even to the point of being arrested? Can I relate? Through empty accusations and angry crowds, Jesus stays silent in the face of his suffering. Jesus stays silent when Pilate tries to get him to plead for himself. In other Gospels, we hear this dialogue between Jesus and Pilate, and yet Jesus' only response is, you say that I am. Jesus stays silent in the face of suffering. Can I relate? What I know I relate to, what I think all of us can relate to, is that there are places and spaces where our anger, our doubt, our confusion, our frustration with life and with God ends with us casting accusations upon him. Why, God, is there illness? Why, God, did you create war? Why, God, did you allow this to happen? And we yell, crucify him with the Jews. We can relate when we step back and realize that our accusations, our doubts, our anger with God are a shout to crucify him. In the silence, we hold the question, what accusations do I cast on God that keep me from truly trusting him? The one who was full emptied himself.
suffering Savior. This world is full of suffering of all kinds. Sickness, hunger, racism, enslavement to name a few. All creation itself is groaning. In all our thirst, in all our sickness, in all our longing, in all our pain, we believe you are there. Come alongside us in the darkness. Walk with us. Walk with this world through our suffering. May we trust you. Were you there when, when they crucified my Lord? Can you sit and picture what it was like to sit and watch as our Lord was crucified? It's from old traditional African-American spiritual, simple, plain, beautiful, true, sung by two females, two women. And as you saw in the video, women escorted Jesus through so many of these stages to the cross. Women came to the tomb expectant. Women came to the tomb ready to uh, honor his body. It's a beautiful picture. Were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? fifth reading from Luke chapter 23. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to to be executed. 
When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung hung there uh, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. But don't you fear God? He said, "Since uh, Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our, deeds, uh, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So obviously there is much going on in our this, this particular passage. There's much that um, can be said regarding this passage. Though the reality is that Jesus is now on the cross. Mocked, beaten, abused, humiliated, next to death. The time has now come. Death is imminent. The end is near. Yet, even still, forgiveness is in the heart and mind of Jesus. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus pleads for the people who are crucifying him. Jesus pleads for a lost people. Jesus pleads for those that thought they had it all figured out, and in the end, they actually didn't. Jesus pleads for those not just gathered at the cross that evening, but Jesus pleads for all of humanity, which includes me, which includes you. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. I don't have to think too hard when it comes to people in my life that I need to extend forgiveness toward. And likewise, I don't have to think all too long or hard when it comes to all the ways that I need to be forgiven as well. So we pause once again, and we cry out to God regarding both the giving and receiving of forgiveness in our lives. The question to hold, where is forgiveness in need of granting in your life and with whom? 
And are there ways or are there relationships in which you need to seek, seek forgiveness as well? Do we hold this question? Because the one who is full, that is Jesus, emptied himself. pray. Forgiving Christ when the world condemns us or when wrong is done to us, when we carry the weight of things that are too much to forgive, come alongside us in the darkness and give us the grace to extend forgiveness when and where we need to. May we, like the man executed next to Jesus, also seek as well as receive forgiveness. Amen. We'll move to um, words of forgiveness and um, take a part and maybe end for you to participate. Even from his place on the cross, while even while being met with cru- cruelty and violence, Jesus overflows with truth and grace. He sees those around him. He seeks connection and belonging into existence. He offers forgiveness. Friends, if this is true from the cross, it is certainly true here. We are surrounded by grace. We are forgiven over and over and over and over again. Thanks be to God.
Our sixth reading comes from John 19, 28 to 38, and Luke 23, 44 to 49. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had, who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these Finality. Death has the final say. It is finished. In our world, death is the end. And in his facing of death, Jesus shows total trust in God. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In the moment where God had completely deserted him, Jesus knew he was still with him. In his last moments, Jesus followed what scripture had prophesied, what scripture had called forth. For until his last moments, Jesus was aware of his call, who he was and whose he was. And something about Jesus' confidence in who he was and whose he was spoke to a Gentile, the centurion. The man who had no religious background was Roman. And the centurion says, surely this was a righteous man. Other gospels say that the centurion even proclaimed, Surely this is the Son of God. At death, Jesus' confidence of who he is and whose he is brings words of truth spoken from the most unexpected. As we stand in the finality of death, in that last breath of Jesus, who do we say Jesus who do I say Jesus is?
the one who was full made himself empty. So that we who are empty may be full. Jesus, the cross, the reality of your death evokes a response from each of us. A response that you are attentive to even now. Lord Jesus, thank you for responding to us with an outpouring of your grace, mercy, and love. Thank you for emptying yourself even to the point of death. So that in your emptiness, we may be full to the brim with your extravagance. to bring this uh, poem from Sarah Speed um, to us this evening. Um, it is called, It Is Finished. It Is Finished. One day, one day we will say it is finished, and not in reference to the suffering that took place in a school shooting, not in reference to a police, a police raid in a boat of immigrants packed too tightly. One day we will say it is finished, but not in reference to a fight against addiction, not in reference to another catastrophe, catastrophic storm or in a broken marriage that got lost along the way. One day, one day, we will say it is finished and only mean that the book that we just read, the cake that we just baked, the song that made us sing, the meal around a table, the familiar drive home. Until then, I will say, we will say, I am thirsty. I am thirsty but I still believe in one day, one day.